Hi, welcome to Holzer Talk Podcast. My name is Sarah Lowry, and I'll be your host over the next few episodes. But before we dive into our Meet the Team series, I wanted to take just a minute and explain to you what Holzer Talk Podcast is. Well, it is an opportunity for us to kind of explain what exactly we do. We're going to be talking to providers, we're going to be talking to some of our colleagues and coworkers, and we're just going to ask them, what is it that they do? We'll talk about leadership opportunities, we're going to talk about training, we're going to talk about um, how we are building this culture. And more importantly, we're going to talk about how we got to where we are. So over the next couple episodes, you're going to hear from our training and organizational development department. You're going to hear from nurses. You're going to hear from um, our leaders. You're going to hear from the rest of us that maybe don't have such a clinical background. And we're going to share all those things with you. Our goal is, of course, for you to learn something new and maybe even spark an interest in a career that you maybe didn't know existed, or maybe you didn't know how to get here. In today's episode, you'll be hearing from Sarah Starcher, who's one of our training and organizational development specialists. She'll be sitting down with Jason Weaver, who's our manager of clinical education, and they'll be talking about Jason's background um, as a first responder and his professional background here at Holzer. They're going to be talking about his training tips and must-haves, in the courses that he trains. He's also going to be talking about why he loves to train these courses so much. I really hope you enjoy listening to this very engaging conversation. Morning with Jason Weaver. So Jason, can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what your Holzer story is? So maybe what you're responsible for now, your job title, past job titles, all that fun stuff. Well, good morning, Sarah. Glad to be here on this podcast. And uh, wow, has a lot of information to cover, so we'll start from the very beginning. All right. Long, dark, stormy night. <laughs> I love a good timeline. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So my Holzer story. So actually, my Holzer story started when I was asked to come help and assist with a class. Uh, at that time, I was part-time with Life Ambulance Service, and my friend was teaching classes here, Contract. So he needed help, and he asked me to come at that time. I said, yeah, I'll come help you. So we started teaching classes together, and we started off with the clinic side and then got more involved with the hospital side prior to merger. This is back in 2008, 2009 era. So that's when we started with contract. And he sort of slowly dropped off, and I sort of picked up and kept going. Uh, at that time, Tony Andrews, Bertie Saunders uh, was here doing the education, and they asked and approached me if I'd like to come part-time. Because I was doing enough classes, I was here often enough that they thought part-time would be good. So I started off part-time in April of 2012. Uh, towards the end of 2012, beginning of 2013, I had a uh, job change, uh, transition from my full-time job from Health and Medical. Uh, they were doing some base changes and moving, and I put another 45-minute drive on my time. So I decided to come to Holzer full-time. So I became full-time in 2013 here in Holzer. Very nice. And now you have worked your way up to the manager of clinical educators, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. 
So starting off, I was just a clinical educator myself, mm-hmm. basically with the AHA, and we also developed, we were part of CAMC uh, division, we are underneath them for our training center, so we were like a training site. Uh, we had, were doing enough classes, they suggested we become our own training center. So they sent us the paperwork, we talked to the AHA, became our own training center back uh, around April 2012, when I started, because we were doing those classes, things were picking up. So we became our own HA training center. So we cover basic life support, advanced cardiac life support, pediatric life support, and at that time we were also doing uh, pediatric emergencies assessment recognition stabilization class. Uh, then I started offering the uh, PHTLS for some of the urgent care, some of the ER staff. It was more of a trauma class to help with that. Oh, very cool, very yeah. cool. So what would you say your favorite thing is about being the manager of clinical education? My favorite thing about manager of clinical education is seeing all the wheels working together. Uh, after the merger in 2012, when everything came together and seeing everything put back from the hospital side of education, the clinic side of education coming together. And previous managers before me, watching them work and seeing what they did, and now being part of that is probably the best part because now I'm involved with really the whole system again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. So if you had unlimited resources, what's one thing that you would have you would buy to improve your role or something that you're responsible for? Unlimited resources. So mm-hmm. I really would like to see us develop and have a separate building for training with a lot more classrooms or classrooms set up. The uh, Sim Lab have it actually state of the art, similar to the University of Rio Grande or um, the Packard building. Uh, Dina has something like that or even what high university has as far as medical school goes with all the sim labs you have an ER room you have an OR room you have a patient clinic room mm. so it gives you those scenarios that you could work with in your real live environment and if you had the up-to-date state-of-the-art equipment they have the mannequins now that cry that also <laughs> vomit you have the emesis come no out way. you have the bowel sounds they even have the mannequins that you can do the fast scan so you can do the ultrasounds or the belly like ER would do to see if there's free fluid in there. So you need to go to the OR. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty state-of-the-art now. So yeah. that's that's the big thing. That would be so cool. I really hope that happens in the future. Well, that's, again, unlimited resource, and I can do anything with it and just build off of that. And, you know, with that, we've been led on to, you know, maybe a disaster city or something to incorporate the first responders inside the hospital, bringing and just work together and making that community or tri-state area training facility that everybody could utilize. Yeah, that would be super cool. Great for the community too. Oh yeah. So what's the process like for you when you're tasked with creating a new training? Like what kind of puts you in the headspace whenever, you know, you have a new training you're going to create? I feel like I'm always in the headspace. I'm always thinking, I'm trying to tweak and trying to do streamline things here and there. So when I've been asked, you know, of course the research is always the first thing. Yeah, I look at the research, you know, is it, the right thing to do is it cost effective is it feasible is it going to work out for us as far as staff coming to in-person classes versus virtual reality what's the best combination is it blended learning in class to go along with that type of training uh, a lot of it has to be hands-on in my point of view because i feel that's where majority is learned with adults and with that just carrying it forward you do the research you put it out there you run a couple classes see how it works with the material and the knowledge and you get that feedback from the students you know was it good what did you feel that you got out of this could it be better what can we add to it what can we take away and the common questions you always say is is it too long is it too short did you get anything out of it Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and that feedback's so important as trainers and it is. You know, when we're educating people because we want them to come back and we want them to get, you know, the most out of the trainings we offer and stuff. So Yeah, you do. And and that's the thing with that feedback, it helps you become a better instructor. Yeah, or, absolutely. And you work you're working for them. You want to give them what you have as far as in my knowledge. What knowledge I have, what knowledge have I found out, what am I learning that I need to pass on. Right, yeah, no doubt. That's great. So what's something that every one of your trainings has? Like what's your Jason Weaver signature move for your trainings? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. It's my, my enthusiasm. I think they see my enthusiasm with the class. They see that I'm still working as a paramedic. And they see that I'm still out there. And I know the trends. Um, I just don't give up my job to go back behind a desk. I'm actually still doing it. So that's one of the questions I always get. And that's where my enthusiasm comes from, that they enjoy seeing me do that. And I bring it here. So I pass it along. I just don't keep it and, and maintain it. I just I keep passing it on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's my enthusiasm and the happiness I have out of instructing. I really do enjoy instructing. I do getting that out there. And also, like, being a manager because that throws my other role into, you know, what do I want to push out for other th- people to teach and how I want them to instruct. Right. So. Yeah, and I love I love that answer because I think it is so important that you are still out there in the trenches and that you let them know that, like, hey, I'm still doing this job. It's not just me sitting behind this desk telling you, you know, stuff that I'm reading. It's stuff that I'm actually applying. So... Right, and the validation is, you know, when I do transport a patient and I get to come into the emergency room, they see me. Right, yeah. And then also, you know, with the pandemic that's happened and stuff and then our staffing issue that's happened, you know, I was very fortunate enough and allowed to, with the governor's uh, blessing, to be able to work inside the hospital as a paramedic and able to help out a couple of units with uh, CCU a few days and ER in Jackson a few days. And that really, I think, also let the staff know that I'm there to help, too. I'm just not here in the management field or just an instructor. I'm actually helping them off the truck inside the hospital. Right, yeah, and I think that's one of the most important things about this department as a whole is just people realizing, like, hey, we're here for you. Like, we want to be the resources for you, so. Right, and, and that's the thing, too. On the flip side of it, the mm-hmm. downside is, you know, we try to get a hold of you while I'm teaching. Yeah. I'm not in the office. I'm, I'm out doing something. It's not like I'm behind a desk like a lot of people think that I may be now, but I'm not. I'm still instructing. I'm still out there. I'm still hands-on. Right. So yeah. and that's the thing that a lot of people have to realize, too, is just they think an instructor, you know, elevating themselves to, like, my role right now mm-hmm. versus, you know, what I was before. I was always teaching, and they knew what I was doing, but now, oh, he's a manager. He's in his office. No, I'm still out teaching. I'm still hands-on. I'm still doing it. Right. You know? Right. That's what sets you apart. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it does. And that's absolutely true. I believe that. And I think that earns the respect sometimes. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, Jason, that's all the questions I have for you. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Or are there any questions that you wish I would have asked that I didn't? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me think here. And this is the good thing about podcasts because it doesn't... I can think of anything right now because you put me on the spot. Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. But the different things is, you know... What do you think about the education department? You walked in from uh, a teacher side of it, from an elementary school mm-hmm. uh, side of it, and came into more of an adult world, an adult environment. So what did you find the hardest transition that you came across? Because I like to use your answer for me. <laughs> I think that the hardest thing coming from working with children to working with adults, like, believe it or not, I've said this 
you know, from very early in my role that it's very parallel. Like there are so many similarities, even though it's very different in two very different worlds. But I think that the adults that I train and I work with, most of the time that they want to be there, they're not necessarily forced. And now I know like so many of the classes that you teach, like they have to have those certifications, so they do have to be there. But with mine, they don't they don't necessarily have to have it. So um, I have encountered a few people that, you know, don't necessarily want to be there and but you know that's not too different from working with kids who are you know don't want to be it's there. a forced friendship <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that just coming from like working with children like I feel like I just use proximity control like walking like if somebody's on their phone and I said this to Sarah the other day that like you know, if an adult's on their phone, like, I just have to fight myself not to, like, walk over close to them to make them uncomfortable, like, put the phone away. Right. <laughs> and I, you know, I really had to work on that because I'm like, no, these are adults. They have responsibilities. They have people they are over. It's not just a child not paying attention to me because they're bored. So that was something I really had to keep in mind whenever, you know, I did start training and things because you know, stuff like that. I'm like, listen, you gotta, you gotta listen to what I'm saying here. Like, this is good stuff. <laughs> but, oh, uh, and to that point too, I tell you something I've found out too, and more the hard way is, you know, being in this role, you are on your phone a little bit more because mm-hmm. you're checking messages, you're checking emails, you're checking the calendar and make sure you're not supposed to be somewhere else <laughs> where you're at, or you're running behind for mm-hmm. the next meeting. And the other thing with that is, you know, when I'm teaching and I see people out, I have to think about what their role and responsibility is. A right. lot of them are parents and they may be here on their day off mm-hmm. or they're trying to check on their children. So it's not like you have to put your phone away. And science and evolution, medical technology has changed so much that we rely on our electronic devices so much that we have got adjusted to we need to have it out because we're always relying on it for that information or resource. Right, absolutely. But you can tell a difference someone who's not paying attention, just checking it, to your point, you know, walking back, making them feel uncomfortable or, <laughs> oh, he knows I have my phone out. He's coming this way. I need to put it away. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> right. Or they always come up with that excuse. I'm just checking on my kids. They were sick this morning. I'm just following up. And I was like, that's all right. That's no big deal. But if you got to take a phone call, just, you know, hey, walk outside. Yeah. Have respect for your fellow coworkers. Right. That, that's the speech in the beginning. Yeah. I don't care if you keep your phone on, keep it on silent, keep it on vibrate. If you have to take a phone call, respect others, walk outside, take it. I expect you to come back for the test. Yeah. That's all I expect. Right. And I think that's important to like lay those ground rules at the beginning so they know what's expected of them too. Right. So then when they're called out, they're forewarned. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah. So, all right. Well, Jason, thanks for joining us today. And we're really excited to see where all you take the clinical education department and what all you guys have going in the future. Well, it's a pleasure being here. And I can only say the crazy train only goes one way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Thank you.